Chris Miles was able to retire twice by the time he was 39 years old. But he's not content to just enjoy his own financial freedom and peace of mind. Chris wants you to have your own ripple effect so you can live free today. He's not the financial advisor you expected. He's the anti-financial advisor you deserve. He's jumping behind the mic right now, ready to make waves. Here's Chris Miles. Hello, my fellow Ripplers. This is Chris Miles, your cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor. Welcome to a show that's for you, those that work so hard for your money. And you're ready for your money, start working harder for you right now. You want that freedom of cash flow today, not 30 or 40 years from now, but you want it right now so you can live that life that you love with those that you love. Guys, we know it's not just about getting rich, it's about living a rich life because as you are blessed financially, you now as a Rippler have a greater capacity to bless the lives of those around you. That is why I'm here today. Thank you for tuning in, binging, and sharing this episode with other people, as well as just sharing this channel. Really appreciate that, of course. If you haven't done so already, go subscribe to our YouTube channel, whether it's the Money Ripples channel or the Money Ripples podcast channel. If you're watching this right now, you probably already are. So thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of this today. Hey, how amazing would it be if you could create monthly cash flow, passive income, from making at least double-digit returns on your money. And get this, it's only $1,000 or more that you need to invest. Guys, that's exactly what Secured Investment Corp. does. They actually do short-term lending to real estate investors that's backed by real estate that you can actually return double-digit returns on. That means 10% or better. It's also IRA-friendly, and you can even reinvest those monthly distributions to create compound interest on your money too. If you want to learn more about that, go check out Secured Investment Corp., Dot com. That's secured, S-E-C-U-R-E-D, investmentcorp.com. So let me ask you something. Do you trust the banks right now? Are you worried about what's going to happen, especially when we had some of these bank failures several months ago, and now it just seems quiet. It seems like the crisis is over, right? It's been averted. Has it really, though? And do we trust to keep our money there in that bank? How do we know that FDIC, which has less than 2% of reserves saved up for us, for our, to protect our money, but yet we trust in that FDIC, like we trust that's going to work out. Now, granted, I'm a Generation Xer, we don't trust anybody, right? But still, it makes you wonder, can we really trust the banks? Or is there a better solution to that? Is there something we can do better than the banks or saving in the banks? Now, of course, those of you who've been following my channel long enough, you probably think, okay, I might have a few ideas of what Chris might be talking about here. You betcha. I'm going to talk about infinite banking or a way to unbank yourself. How do we get away from banks in a place where you have better protection, you actually have better guarantees of your money, better returns, and better tax advantages? Sounds great. It almost sounds too good to be true, but the truth is it can be just as liquid, yet you can make better returns and have better protection. Now, what do I mean by this? When we talk about life insurance, right? I'm not talking about typical term life insurance where it's just death insurance. I'm talking about using whole life insurance specifically. I want to make sure we're talking about the very specific tool or vehicle that could be helping you here because there are other types of insurance out there beyond just term insurance. There's even universal life insurance, right? Whether it's variable or indexed, there's two different versions, but each of those are tied to markets. And as a result could actually lead, especially with increasing costs over time, could actually lead to you losing money in those. And so whole life is the only one that actually has a guarantee that it's always going to increase that savings account, that tax-free supercharged savings account that they have that pays you more than point nothing percent like you get at the bank. And heck, I know even lately, bank returns have gotten better, which is good. And some people might even critique life insurance companies saying, yeah, but 
Are life insurance companies getting better because their rates are still about the same? They are. But here's the thing you got to know. They have a lag effect. They don't churn as quickly as what you see bank accounts doing. Meaning that even if interest rates start going back down on banks, interest rates on life insurance will follow more slowly. They'll actually possibly continue to keep rising or at least stay the same, even when rates are falling with banks. And if they fall only short term, it doesn't matter. It's more evened out with life insurance. So I want to talk about using specifically the type of method that we use, which we refer to as max ROI, infinite banking. Using this as a tax-free supercharged savings account, not the typical whole life insurance policy that you buy from the usual agents where you're really just buying a high cost, low cash, really low returning type of policy. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a policy that really has a minimal death benefit, but allows you to dump in a bunch of cash. All right. That's what we're talking about here doing. And so I want to talk about that strategy and really how I'm using it in my own life and what I'm teaching a lot of my clients to do right now, because the truth is there is a little bit of a strategy, a tactic to it that can actually get you to pay for this with almost no money out of pocket per se, at least not ruining your budget. That's the one problem I see out there is that many times people say, man, like all this is so expensive. It's got to come out of my budget. It is, especially if it's done wrong. So let me talk about the strategy of how I would use it today. I'm not talking about using this to buy real estate. I'm not talking about the use to buy cars or houses or doing investments in general. That's a great strategy. That's the infinite banking strategy you often hear me talk about. But I want to talk about this more from a place of defense because I think one of the most important things right now in this market today is to be liquid. You need to have liquid cash available. I think this is more important than ever because we just heard people in 2022 going to 2023 saying, don't have cash on hand, you lose to inflation. For that reason, you should do the opposite. You should have more cash on hand now. This doesn't mean you don't invest. I want to be very clear on that. You can still invest, but it might mean that you don't just keep your six months of emergency reserves on the side. You might keep more than that. You might keep 12 months of emergency reserves. You might even increase that even beyond that point. You might even keep more just for opportunities coming along. So I have several clients that right now they say, I've got several hundred thousand to deploy, but maybe I'm going to keep a hundred or 200,000 on the sidelines. The problem is this. If you keep that money in the bank, there's a few concerns. One, that the bank might fail. There still might be a big failure happening with the banks. For them to say it only happened to three large banks, and although we know there's some other banks that were affected as well, to say that the crisis is over seems to me a little bit too good to be true. I don't know if that's the way it is for you, but it seems a little weird that some very powerful, strong banks fail, and then all of a sudden everything's great. Now, there's people that will say this. They'll say, well, if I go for the big banks, the banks that are buying those banks, like Chase Bank and things like that, maybe I should be safe. And maybe that's the case, and maybe that's not. Because if we learn anything from the last financial crisis, heck, I mean, Warren Buffett had to step in to save Bank of America, right? I mean, that was a big bank, and yet it was too large to fail. If you remember that term from the 2008 crisis, too large to fail. I don't believe that. I really don't. And so now is your risk less because you've been to large banks? Yes, they are. But then you run into the other problem is that you usually with these larger banks, you're going to be paid a much lower return on your money, a much lower return on your savings. On top of that, you get taxed on that money. So even if you say, yay, I pulled out a 1% rate of return. If you're in about a 30% tax bracket, well, now you've only made about a 0.7% return. Now, if I use my whole life insurance, I'm actually making more. I'm usually making at least about a 4% tax-free cash on cash. That's net after fees and everything else. 
I know, yes, the dividends are closer to five and a half to 6% today, and they're predicted to go up in 2024 and or 2025. But that being said, I like to just kind of stay very conservative with that and say that's a net 4% tax-free return. That's not too shabby when you think about that. For you to do that with a savings account, you'd usually have to earn at least about a 6% rate on your savings account, which you're not going to do. And the one thing with life insurance companies is that they're safer. They actually have what's called reinsurance. Reinsurance companies are insurance companies that insure insurance companies. If that didn't sound redundant enough for you, if I say that again, if that didn't sound redundant enough for you. So reinsurance companies back up insurance companies, much like the FDIC, but instead of only having a small percentage, they actually have a much larger percentage. One thing that banks do that insurance companies cannot put banks at higher risk is that banks can loan more than what they have in savings, than what they have from you as depositors. So where we're putting our money in the bank, banks can still lend out more money than what you give them, even more money than they have in their own possession. They are legally allowed to do that. That's called fractional reserve banking. They can actually lend out a large percentage, at least usually six to 10 times whatever they have in, in actual cash. If you think about that, guys, say that, for example, you had $100,000 of assets. That means you can be able to borrow at least $600,000 to a million dollars and just use it for whatever you want. Now, some of you might say, well, that's kind of like buying a house. It is. It can very well be like buying a house. But for you to be able to say, I have every asset possible, and then I can just go and leverage it, even a car. I would buy a car for $50,000, but I can then get a loan for $300,000. No, that's never going to happen, is it? You can never buy it for more than its value, even with homes. Now, I can't say never. I won't say that because there are times that banks will make exceptions, go a little bit higher for new purchased cars. So for that example, yes, you can go a little bit higher, but you will pay for it. And when it comes to a home, usually you can't go over 100%. You can't go over the appraised value, right? That's the cap. And even then they want you to put a down payment below the appraised value so that there's equity in it. So banks can do the opposite. They can actually go majorly in debt. That's risky if they do some high risk lending. If they're lending to people with bad credit scores and or even just in general, if the markets tend to tank for whatever reason, that could affect their portfolio and affect their health. And it might even affect them be able to give you access to your own money. That's not a problem when it comes to insurance companies. They can only use the money they have, period. They cannot over leverage. They can't borrow money they don't have. They literally can only use the cash they have in their account to invest with and do the things with. And when they invest, they usually invest in very conservative type of things. It's very rare, very tiny percentage they might do into something that might be more speculative, like buying into a business like a tech company or something like that. Usually that's very small percentage, if at all, when they invest that kind of money. So understand that when it comes to their own portfolios, insurance companies are much safer than banks. And on top of that, they have reinsurance companies that do step in in case they happen to fail, they step in. Now, to give you some context, in history, in the Great Depression, at that period of time, about two-thirds of banks failed. There was over 35,000 banks and only 13,000 survived at the end of the Great Depression. It was massive. While insurance companies, only a few of them failed during that period of time. Granted, there probably wasn't 39,000 There are 35,000 insurance companies. I get that. But percentage-wise, there was a drastic difference because of that very reason. They couldn't over-leverage. Banks can, and still, even after the Depression, even after what's gone on with the Great Recession, they put more guardrails in place to help banks out. Still, they're not infallible. And insurance companies, they've always had those guardrails in place, and they've been very conservative. And the great thing is they still pay you more money than the bank will. And that, I think, is the key here is that you can still store your money and make it work for you. Now, let me talk about the strategy of how that works. 
So people say, well, should I just put all my money in there? No, because I still use banks for this one purpose. If I need money today, I have money in the bank. If I need to pull out money right away or within the next 24 hours, I have money in the bank. If I want to get the money within a week, the vast majority of my money, I can keep it in the life insurance where I know I'm making tax-free higher rates of return than in the bank. So what I do is this. Now, I'm going to take two different scenarios for you here because you might be in a different scenario. From my scenario, what I did is I had my cash reserves building up in my savings account. And I have a lot of clients like this. They might say, well, my expenses are, say, $5,000 a month. They know that six months, they need at least 30000 I said, well, let's do this. Over the next two years, you'll still keep saving money that you're putting into your savings account. You'll still keep building that up. But for the next two years, you're going to take 15000 a year from your bank account to fund and put into your policy. By that year too, even though those are the most expensive years, because whole life insurance specifically is front loaded with their costs. Their costs are more expensive in the beginning, and then they get cheaper as time goes on. It's the opposite of term insurance. Term gets more expensive over time. Whole life gets cheaper over time. So those first two years, great. You do 15,000 a year. It did that. That's 30,000. But remember those next two years, say you're saving a thousand bucks a month. You still have 24,000 for the next year. The great thing is after those first two years, if you paid in, 15,000 a year or 30,000 total for, you know, over those two years, you would likely have right around at least 24,000 or so cash, 25,000 in cash in there. So you still have the savings there. You're really just transferring your savings from one account to a better returning account. How many of you guys have done that where you've moved money from a bank to an online savings account that pays you a better return? We've, if you're on an email list, you probably have even got emails where you said, hey, check out this particular savings account pays you a better return than the most of the banks you're going to be dealing with that kind of same thing is happening. People are just moving their money over and putting it inside of life insurance where it's safer and making a better return. In my case, my wife, she wanted to increase that number a lot. When I mentioned like 12 months of reserves, she's like, I want a liberally 12 months of reserves. And so we said, let's set the number at $300,000. Now I didn't want all 300,000 sitting in a bank earning, even with our current credit union, paying 0.1%. 300,000 earning 0.1% means I make 300 bucks a year and then I get taxed on 300 bucks a year. So maybe I'll walk away with 200 bucks in interest. But if I take of that 300,000, say 250,000 of that is earmarked in my life insurance, which is what I did. We started investing our money or cash in our bank account and then opened up the money that was in our life insurance to be just sitting there as cash reserves. Well, now if I'm earning on the 250,000, 4%, like I said, I'm getting paid more than that, but let's just say it's conservatively 4%. That's $10,000 a year I'm earning tax-free. I actually get to keep $10,000 of earnings a year instead of, like I said before, on the full amount, only making maybe $200 after tax. Drastic difference, major change. For many of you, like when we talk about Wealth Accelerator Academy and things to learn and strategy-wise of how to free and increase cash flow, for many of you, this one strategy could do that and make a lot of money for you. Now, you may not be saving $300,000. It might be $50,000. Well, great. What if Say 40 of the 50,000, you kept 10,000 in the bank, 40,000 inside of this. Again, don't do it all at once. I'll explain that in a bit. But 40,000 still, if it's earning 4%, that's 1,600 a year tax free versus earning on 40,000, what, 40 bucks a year? So I was like, well, do I want, I want 1,600 a year or do I want 40 bucks a year taxable? So I walk away with 30 bucks maybe. That's the big difference, guys. As I mentioned, the one thing that is, is I don't encourage people to try to dump all their money in one year. Why? Because like I said, the most expensive expenses in the policies are in those first few years. So I like to have people spread it out a little bit, like break it up. I have some clients, they might actually be paying into this. And you might be in this category where maybe you're starting from almost zero in savings. Maybe you have very little. 
By the way, I recommend having at least in the bank $5,000, $10,000 before even using this strategy. You got five or 10,000 bucks, that's all you have. Just keep using the bank in the meantime. Just use it, build it up, focus on that. But let's just say you are, you have only 10,000 bucks in the bank right now. You might use some of that money to fund a policy in the first year, but then keep adding money to your bank account over time. By the way, key tip here, you actually save on costs if you pay annually into your policy versus monthly. You can do monthly, but it will cost you a little bit more on the fee side. So we generally try to encourage people to reduce the cost so that they get a better ROI, better return. That's why you say max ROI, infinite banking. And that's why we usually encourage paying annually. Again, you can be flexible with it. You can design it however you want. But again, if you're starting with just 10,000 bucks, we're not going to dump all 10,000 right into the policy. We might just say, well, let's dump and say you're only adding 10,000 a year. I might say, let's do a policy with a max of only say 6,000 to $8,000 a year. So there's still a little extra going in. And by the way, if your maximum is say $8,000 a year, usually the minimum is right around maybe 1,500 give or take per year. Could be 1,500 to 2,000 a year typically if you have an $8,000 max. So you're only required to put in that smaller amount. So if you're already saving 1,000 bucks a month or 10, say 10,000 a year, 800 bucks a month, usually after two months of savings, you can at least pay the minimum on that policy. Again, just put into your savings account. Then once a year, take that dump and throw it in, knowing that you're not required to put in that 8,000 a year, 10,000 a year, 20, 100,000 a year, whatever it might be, you can do that. So there's a definitely a technique to it. And you can always talk to our people. You can always go to moneyripples.com and ask us, hey, how do I do this, right? And we can help you design and customize it for your situation. But I will say this, is that whatever somebody's putting away per year, outside of what they already have in savings, a lot of times we'll just say, do a little bit less than that. If you're putting away $30,000 a year into savings, even with 401ks and everything else, maybe we only do about, 20 or 25,000 a year max into those policies, knowing that you'll have to put in about 5,000 a year, right? Those kind of things. Those are the kind of strategies that we do. But I want you to really put this in your brain here. Just imagine if you've already got savings built up, you already have an emergency fund. If you want to diversify that emergency fund to pay you more money, start moving that over, paying that over the next few years or so, depending on what works best for your situation, moving that over. All the meanwhile, you're still saving into that savings account and replenishing it and putting more in, which could also go in there too. And diversify later. Now, once I get beyond that point, so even with my situation, right? 250,000 in the life insurance, 50,000 in the bank, in my case, anything above that 250,000 that's now in my life insurance, free game to invest right now. Now, of course I can invest the other part too, but we're trying to protect those reserves just to be extra careful right now with, with the economy because you just don't know what can happen. But that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about doing here is like, again, you can still keep building up above and beyond that and using that money to invest and then you get that double dip effect that we talk about so often. So anyways, guys, that's my advice to you. Of course, if you have a question how that works in your situation, just go to moneyripples.com. Just ask us. We can help run some numbers with people on our team and help you do that. But I'm telling you, this is one of the best ways you can get your money, not just safe and sitting, but you can unbank yourself. You can get away from these banks, get away from that risk and get it to work for you today. Guys, make it a wonderful and prosperous week. We'll see you later. Visit us online at moneyripples.com for more resources to help you fix money leaks and get your money working harder for you now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.